number, any guesses? How many weeks we've been uh, talking about prayer? Number nine. Say it with me. Number nine. Number, no, we won't do that. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Uh, some of you knew what I was talking about there. Uh, each week we've begun with a different question uh, as we begin the sermon. And I'm going to take the time today, probably the last time. I'm not going to do it next week because there is communion next Sunday. So here we go. We're going to kind of review the nine questions so far. First week we asked the question, what if prayer at core is not about asking God for stuff? What, what if prayer isn't just saying, Lord, do this, do that, do the other? What if instead the core purpose of prayer is for us to grow closer and more intimate with our God? What, what if the reason for prayer is so that we'll learn to enjoy the koinonia relationship that he's offered to us. And I think that starts with prayer. Second week, we asked the question, what if the things we normally ask God for as we pray, Lord, would you heal my sick and ailing grandfather? Lord, would you help me get that promotion at work? Uh, my child is a prodigal. Please bring them back to yourself. Lord, I've got this pet entangling sin that's destroying my life. Lord, please help me kill it through your power. Give me freedom. Give me victory. What if the things we normally ask the Lord to do for us, and we're asking and expecting these answers, what if his powerful and effective answers are not at all what we're expecting? It wasn't on our radar. That, that's not what I was asking for. That's not what I was expecting. What if God's answers a lot of times are way different than what we were thinking his response would be? Third week, we asked a question, what if the reason we don't see more answers to our prayers is because we give up way too quickly? We uh, grow impatient, we get distracted, and we assume the answer must be no, when actually the Lord is saying, no, no, I want you to keep on asking, I want you to keep on seeking, I want you to keep on knocking, and it's amazing as we hang in there and we stay persistent, our relationship grows and deepens and gets stronger. Fourth week, we uh, asked uh, a question, what if the reason that the Lord doesn't seem to be answering our prayers is because we think most of the time I can handle life on my own? Thank you, Lord, but I got this one. And it's our uh, self-sufficient, proud, I-can-do-it-myself mindset that oftentimes keeps us from enjoying the power and the effective answers of God's prayer. When, when actually the Lord is saying, you know what I want you to do? I want you to humble yourself and cry out and admit, no, you really do need me. You really are weak, and you really do need me to come and answer your prayers as you humbly cry out. In need. The fifth week we uh, talked about two things we normally pray about. You recall those? Uh, Lord, please help this pain to go away. Uh, I want to avoid this troubling, painful situation. Lord, this hurts. Make it go away. And this is related to it. It's kind of, kind of like its cousin. Uh, this situation I'm not enjoying. Make it go away. Uh, make it disappear. Do something else, Lord. Uh, change this circumstance. And we looked at Paul and how he prayed. Do you recall that? 
And, and the Apostle Paul, when he prays, you never find him saying, Lord, change my circumstance. You just don't. Uh, Lord, make the pain go away. You don't hear that coming from the Apostle Paul. The, the, the key thought when Paul is praying, especially for other people, is, Lord, help them to know your son Jesus better. And I hope some of you have been praying that for the people you love around you. Lord, help, help this person that I love dearly and deeply. Help them to know you better. Help them to love you more. Help their faith and their daily walk with you to get stronger. That, that's what Paul prayed about. And uh, it, it definitely made an eternal and lasting difference. Um, week number six. We said uh, perhaps one of the reasons we're not more uh, devoted to prayer as many of us are just getting creamed by the evil one. We talked about uh, the attacks and uh, the enemy who's very real, and, and he's doing everything he can to destroy the church and followers of Jesus Christ. You realize that? We're at war. And the enemy is attacking, and, and we asked, is the problem with not praying diligently and powerfully because we're so busy trying to just survive, we've never taken the time, we've never made the effort to learn how to live obediently and victoriously. We've never taken that time. We've not learned how to be in this world, but not be of this world. Week number seven, we talked about a desperate father. And he was seeking healing for his son, who was controlled by a, anybody remember? By a demon. That's right. And this father goes to the nine disciples who were left. Peter, James, and John are up on the mountain with Jesus. And the uh, nine disciples, they go through the right motions. They say the right words. Uh, Abracadabra, alakazam, they say the words they heard Jesus say, and nothing happens. And Jesus gets back, and there's this mess going on. There's this chaos, and, and they're wondering, Jesus, why couldn't we do anything? And, and, and Jesus says, this, this was a powerful demon. This, this was powerful. And in your own power, with just your right words and your right liturgy and going through the right motions, you weren't connected to me. Your prayer, when you prayed here, was just cold, sterile routine, there was no power. There was no connection with me. And we asked, does that happen to us at times? <laughs> we're just praying. Yeah, we're doing the right words. We're saying our routine prayer words, but we're really not connected to the power source. Got the vacuum, remember? We're really not connected to the vine. We're not really full of Jesus and his spirit. And there's little power. <laughs> and, and it's just kind of going through the motions. Week number eight, that was last Sunday. Pastor Jason was here, and he asked this question. What if the Lord's Prayer was never intended to be a script and memorized and recited? What if the Lord's Prayer was meant to be a model to teach us how to pray? In other words, Jesus meant the Lord's Prayer not just to be rehearsed and said over and over again with the exact precise words, but he was actually showing us the things, the categories of things we should be praying about. 
today. Question number nine. Um, it's a pretty basic question, but here's today's question. Why, why do followers of Jesus Christ, why do we choose to hold on to our worries and our anxieties and our frustrations? You ever think about that? I suspect if I quizzed you pretty hard today, went around the room, talked to the folks in the balcony, talked to the folks uh, all around, um, you're carrying struggles and stress and some anger and frustration, but God's Word, we're going to see this today, invites us to take our stress, our anger, our being overwhelmed, our worries, our anxieties, and to give them and leave them with the Lord. Track with me here. And then he replaces the anger and the stress and the fretting with his perfect peace. Now here's the question. Why do so many of us so much of the time not take advantage of that powerful present? It really is a gift. He says, take all the stuff that's weighing you down and come and give it to me. And I'll replace all the ugly stuff, the stress, the fear, the anger, the the anxiety. I'll I'll replace that with your perfect peace. Why don't we take more advantage of that wonderful promise in prayer? Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Or if you have your phone, go to Matthew chapter 6. And I want to show you that Jesus, in the greatest sermon ever preached... Uh, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, he talks about worry and anxiety and stress and frustration. And you can put your word there uh, however you want to say it, but it's all really much the same, pretty much the same thing. Uh, If you're able, would you stand with me? We're going to start in verse 25. We're going to read down through verse 34. Um, And and here's the deal, okay? Uh, We're not just going to make this cold, sterile routine, amen? We're going to read this as though we mean it. We're going to read it with some enthusiasm. Can you handle that? You up to it? Yep. Uh, If you're up to it, say, I'm in. Okay, here we go. Verse 25, Matthew 6. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. 
Amen to that. Let's pray. Lord, uh, that last line gets me every time. So would you help us to live one day at a time with you? We're so prone to living in regret and mourning over what happened yesterday and last week and last year. And then we go the other extreme and we bite off tomorrow and next week and next month and next year. And Lord, I'm just reminded each day has enough trouble of its own. So would you let that sink in? Uh, Help us to live and walk and commune and stay connected to you one day at a time. Lord, uh, we confess we live in a loud, hectic, unpredictable world. And the temptation for us is to constantly listen to the worries and the stress and the anger and the anxieties as it knocks at our door. So, Lord, I pray that you would teach us today from your book, from your inspired owner's manual for our lives, Lord. Would you teach us how to do battle with frustration and fretting and the uncertainties that we face? Lord, I pray specifically now for those who are right in the middle of one of life's storms. pray for Don, uh, who lost his mom. I pray for Rochelle, who just lost her dad. I pray for those who are struggling on the job. I pray for those who are stressing about money. I pray for some who are worried about health matters. Uh, Some, Lord, I suspect are frustrated with what's going on in the family. Lord, I know some here are stressed because of an entangling, besetting sin that's threatening to destroy them or someone they love. I'm glad, Lord, you you know where each of us are at, and I'm praying that you might meet us today through your word and through your Holy Spirit, just right today, right where we're at, at the point of our need. May your word and your spirit bring grace and mercy and comfort and healing and hope. All the church family at Walloon Lake said with one united voice. You can be seated. Just want to run through quickly some of the uh, the different issues that Jesus mentions here in uh, the Sermon on the Mount. He says, "Don't worry." Therefore, I tell you, do not worry. Okay, that's a command from the commander-in-chief. But now he details some of the things that we're prone to be worried about. Okay? He says, uh, we worry, verses 25 and 26, follow along, about having enough resources to live. Today we'd say, well, I'm worried because I'm not sure I've got enough money in the bank. Uh, I'm not sure if I have enough income to pay all of my bills. I'm not sure if my job is stable and secure. Uh, What will happen to my investments if the stock market tanks? What's going on with the price of gasoline? Is it ever going to come down? We're concerned about resources to live. Verses 25 and 26, Jesus says, that's not new. That's an old worry. People have been worrying about that all along. 
Secondly, we fret over our appearance, verses 28 to 30. So if you're concerned with how you're looking today, um, that's not new. Am I attractive? Am I appealing to others? Are my clothes stylish or are they dated? Am I gaining too much weight? Uh, Am I looking bad? What do other people think about how I look? Do I look too young? That's not a problem. Do I look too old? (laughs) That could be a problem. Uh, Again, we're we're concerned with our appearance, verses 28 to 30. That's been going on since the time of Christ. We stew over our lives ending too soon. We attempt to add hours to our lives through worry. Look at verse 27. Uh, And we're worried about our lives. Is someone I love going to die early and leave me all alone? Am I going to be diagnosed with a chronic illness? Am I eating right? What does it mean to eat right? Uh, We're asking questions. Are the roads too slick to drive on? Is my teen a good enough driver to be driving? What about drunk drivers? What about distracted drivers? We're asking questions like that all the time. Uh, We stress over what the future may hold. And and you see all sorts of stresses there, right? Uh, What if my spouse dies before I do? Matthew 6, verse 34. Uh, What if I never get married? What if I don't have enough money for college? What if I don't have enough money for retirement? We just have all these questions What if my children don't live for Jesus? Can I take you back to verse 25? Commander-in-chief, Jesus Christ, orders his army, orders his followers. So if you know Jesus personally, this is to you. Do not worry. That's the command. Not a suggestion. A command. Do not worry. And when we stew and fret and worry and stress and get angry and frustrated, are you ready? Give me your eyes. We're living in disobedience. That's living in sin. This is one of those sins that oftentimes in the church, well, that's okay. And we can list some sins. Well, that's not ever okay. But for some reason, in the church, worry, anxiety, frustration, anger, Those are more acceptable. And and might I just say, from Jesus' perspective, (laughs) it's not. It's just as sinful. It's just as unacceptable. It's just as wrong and disobedient. Okay? I'll jump off your toes now for a moment. Uh, Look at verse 30, because that seems to be the root of the sin of worry. Verse 30, Jesus says, Will God not clothe you, O you of little faith? Will God not clothe you, O you of little faith? Throughout God's word, Genesis to Revelation, the Lord is looking for and honoring and blessing those who trust him, those who believe in him. That's why Hebrews 11.26 is huge. It says, without faith, It's impossible to please God. Without faith, believing, trusting, relying in the Lord and aligning my life up, it's impossible to please God without faith. And worry and anxiety and stressing 
and frustration, I would tell you are the exact opposite of faith. Got it? Exact opposite of faith. It's holding on to the trouble and the anger and the fretting instead of choosing to trust the Lord with our lives. So I just wanted you to see that's just sort of a preamble of getting warmed up. Are you ready? Now turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. I want you to see that Jesus was all on the same page with the Apostle Paul. And now as we turn to Philippians chapter 4, we're going to see that he addresses the matter, the issue, the subject of worry and anxiety and frustration and stress and anger. Philippians 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. Pause. Would you not agree that anything is a very broad and encompassing word? Anything is a big word and it encompasses everything. Think about it. Do not worry about, say it with me, so is there anything or any time where it's okay to worry? And your answer would be, Really? Because I'm pretty good. I, I'm like pretty close to being a professional worrier. Uh, and, and I'm good at it. Mom was a worrier. Grandma was a worrier. Uh, dad was a stressor. Dad got angry. Just want to pause for a moment. Can just say, man, you'll say, I don't worry. I, don't, I just get frustrated and angry. Okay, you just show it differently, but it's the same root. You're not trusting the Lord. You're internalizing it. You're letting it stew in your life, and then it shows itself in a really ugly way. Bluntly, women tend to just be a little more honest, and they admit it. Uh, We frustrate, and we anger, and that's the same thing. Okay? Now, back to the text. Uh, uh, The Lord has something far better for us. Look at verse 6. Yeah, do you see that guy? I like that. I'm a little stressed right now. Uh, yeah, back away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because the Lord has something far. And, and, and frankly, when that's you up there and you're behaving that way, people will back away. People don't want to get close. People don't want to hang. Why? Because there's trouble in the air, <laughs> right? Uh, Lord has something far better for his children in mind. You ready? Here we go. What's the far better? In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. The alternative to worry and anxiety and frustration, back up to verse 5, I want to show you something, is to remember, first of all, the Lord is near. The Lord, he says this intentionally, because this connects nicely with this, remember when you get filled with anxiety and stress and frustration, and I'm overwhelmed. First of all, remember, the Lord is near. Matter of fact, if you're a follower of Jesus, how near is the Lord? How near is he? Tell me. Oh, oh yeah, he, he's right here with me. He's walking with you. He, he's always walked with you, always has, always will. So instead of holding on to stress and trouble, uh, Paul uses three different words for prayer. I want you to see that. Go back to verse 6, last part. He uses the word prayer, 
Got that one? Different word, petition, to bring issues before the Lord, to petition him. And then the third word, different word, is the word request. We must train our minds to recognize when we are stewing and stressing and worrying and overwhelmed. Somehow we need to get uh, trained to run to the Lord and give Him our trouble. Okay, uh, Back in July, we used the old beach ball. Do you remember it? 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. Jose, how are you? Can you see? Jose, can you see? You know, I love that joke. Yeah, yeah. We talked about this being the worry, the stress, the care, the anxiety, the trouble, and we would. Are you ready? You ready to play catch? Okay. It's not a soccer ball. Okay. Okay, here we go. And, and I cast it on the Lord. So Jose is in the place of the Lord here. He's got awesome or mighty arms. My arms are puny and weak. Okay? So now I'll go back to Philippians 4. Just couldn't let it go by, could you, catcher? You goalie. Brant is our goalie, yes. Uh, same idea here in Philippians chapter 4, 1 Peter uh, chapter 5 and verse 6. Lord, I present the anxiety, I present the worry, I present the struggle to you, and I take my hands off. Now, I want you to see a very important word. Go back. It says, uh, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with, what's the next word? Why would I want to be thankful when I have this stressful, hard, overwhelming situation going on? But I, but I think this is huge. Why should we be thankful and filled with thanksgiving when I'm coming to the Lord. Are you ready? Here we go. Because, first of all, my Savior and my King is on His throne. Jesus Christ, you're on the throne, and you're working all things together, Colossians 1.17, and you're working all things out for my good, Romans 8.28, and I know that I can trust your perfect plan for my life, my family, my country, my children. Whatever it is, Lord, you're on the throne, and you know what you're doing. That's why I'm thankful. Second reason I'm thankful. Has the Lord ever failed us once? What's your answer? Oh, yeah. That's something to be thankful about. Third thing to be thankful, the Lord is near. He's walking with you through the worst day of your life. The Lord is right there at your side. Right there at my side. I'm just telling you, we got a lot to be thankful for. And I'm thankful that your arms are awesome and almighty, even though my arms are weak and puny, and I can give you this trouble and worry, and you're going to handle it perfectly. This isn't even the best part. Can you believe it? Think about it. Just give it to him. Take your hands off. And here's the beauty of God's book. When you do it his way, keep going. Verse 7 is like my favorite because this is really good. And then when I give the Lord the stress, the worry, the frustration, the trouble, here we go, verse 7, chapter 4 of Philippians, and the peace of God, 
which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So I just want to ask, how many of you at some point can think of a situation that was overwhelming, stressing, uh, frustrating, angering, it was, it was crushing you, and you gave that situation to the Lord, and then he replaced it with his peace, his holy calmness. How many of you have experienced that? Can I see your hands? Okay. Good? Was that, was that a good feeling when you're thinking, I really shouldn't be feeling this way? I really shouldn't be calm? I, I, I really shouldn't have his perfect peace, his inner tranquility going on right now? But it's happening. It's because ha- you did it his way. You aligned your life with his word. And I'm just telling you, when you do it his way, powerful things happen. Jesus, here's this financial situation. It's stressing me to the max. I'm going to give it to you. Jesus, here's this mess going on with my family, with my child, with my marriage. I give it to you. Jesus, here's this worry with my health and I just got bad news from the doctor, I'm going to give it to you. Jesus, here's this circus that's going on in my job, I'm giving it to you. And Jesus says, look at verse 7. This is almost too good to be true, but it's not. It's God's book. And I'll exchange your weight and your worry. I'll replace the anxiety, the stress, the frustration with my perfect peace. He says, Okay, I'll take, I'll take the trouble, and then I'm going to give you my holy calmness to guard your heart and to guard your head. And by the way, when we get stressed, guess where we have trouble? With our emotions, our feelings, with our thoughts, our ideas, our attitudes, our motives, our memories. It's our hearts and our heads that get messed up. And right in the middle of the chaos, I'm going to give you my calm serenity, my inner tranquility, my my holy calmness, Jesus promises. So just think with me now. I can manipulate and scheme and hold on and stress and fret or get frustrated and angry, and and now I'm going to take care of it. That's one option. Or I can say, Lord, I'm going to give you this situation, and you're the king, and you're here, you're near with me, and you've never failed me once, and you know what's going on, and you're going to replace all the ugliness with your good stuff. (laughs) These verses are powerful presents. They're great gifts to the church, to followers of Jesus Christ. And I would argue we are living in pretty wild in crazy times. Would you not agree? Today, there, there's like craziness, and maybe that's always been that way, but now we know about all the craziness. We know about it instantly, so now like I take it on because now I know about it. So here's my question for today. You ready? Why don't we who know Jesus take advantage of this great exchange? Why on earth Would we who know Jesus have been given this powerful present, this great gift, why would we walk around with our lives filled with stress and anxiety and worry, frustration, and and I'm just angry everywhere I go? Why would I want to walk around that way when Jesus says, no, no, 
I got a better plan. I, I got it so you can give it to me and I'll replace it with my perfect peace. I'm going to give you four quick reasons. It's probably about 25, but these are the four that uh, at least came to my mind first. Okay, here we go. Number one reason why we don't live out Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Uh, because great, Satan's great strategy, his grand plan for today is to get Followers of Jesus, so busy, so scheduled, so hectic that we don't have time to live and walk and stay connected to Jesus. And that is a brilliant plan. Would you not agree? And, and he's got many of us so busy running to and fro doing this that we're too busy to pray, we're too overwhelmed with life, we're too burdened and frustrated with life that I don't have time to walk with Christ and remember, oh yeah, Philippians 4, 6 and 7, that's a great gift. I really should take advantage of that. And yet, we're never too busy to worry. Just think about it. I'm too busy to, to get connected and walk with Jesus and, and put into practice Philippians 4, but I'm not too busy to stew and fret and plot and manipulate and get angry. Uh, it's just interesting. We got time for some things. Don't have time for that. Ain't nobody got time. Second reason we don't take advantage, which is related to the first. Okay, I admit these two are, are like living right next door to each other. And I just think it's kind of part two. We're too distracted. We, we live in a very distracting uh, busy, active life, and here's what I mean. I, I got texts coming my way. I've got snaps. I got tweets. I got apps. I got my iTunes on. I, 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 got, I got my cable TV. I got my, my satellite TV. I, I got everything coming my way, and I'm busy, and I'm distracted, and I got my favorite team, and I got to cheer, go Lions. Uh, I, I got to do this, that, and the other, and I'm so overwhelmed with the busyness, the loudness of life that I forget, oh yeah, I don't have to walk around with this stress, this struggle until I finally wake up to this crushing load that I've been carrying around. Sometimes we walk around that way for days and weeks. For some of us, it's become a lifestyle. <laughs> I, I'm just suggesting that uh, for us to get some victory, we may have to actually unplug and uh, slow down and choose to do less and make the main thing the, the main thing. Third reason, I think there's a lot of disciples uh, that addressed by Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, it's true for us. Okay, Part of the reason we don't put Philippians 4, 6, and 7 into practice is when Jesus said, won't the Lord take care of you, O you of little faith? I think that if I'm just completely honest, sometimes we're not fully and completely convinced that prayer works. Just sounds too good to be true. That great gift, that powerful present you're talking about, Pastor Jeff, I, I'm not sure I fully buy into it. So instead, I'm going to call an expert. If i got a problem, I'm going to call the doctor. 
or I'm going to call the pharmacy, or I'm going to call the police, or I'm going to call the boss, or I'm going to call the owner, or I'm going to call the principal, I'm going to call a counselor, I'm going to call the authorities. If I get desperate enough, I might even call a pastor. And I'm just saying, <laughs> why wouldn't you call on Jesus, like way before any of those? And, and for some reason, that's like the last, oh yeah, I guess I should have called the experts should have called out on Jesus and here's the fourth and final thought on why we don't put this and again there's there's lots more a big reason we don't present our request to God is because some of us have become so ingrained with worry and anxiety and stress and trouble and we're carrying it around and I'm frustrated and I'm, and I'm kind of angry and surly that it's become, slowly, it's become a stronghold in our life. And I know some of you, you come from a long line of great worriers. <laughs> wow, you should have, you think I'm a worry warrior? You should have known mom. <laughs> wow, could grandma, grandma could worry with the best of them. I'm just telling you, she, dad was one frustrated man. He was always angry. And then we don't even want to talk about his dad, Grandpa. Man, was that bad. He was violent. The truth is, some of us, we come from a long line of folks where the Lord has used this trouble, this stress, this worry, this anxiety, and a foothold has become a stronghold, and now it's just a regular daily part of our lives. Here's the question. Do you know who and what has the power to break strongholds? Do you know who uh, and what can break the footholds that have taken root in your life? I hope you do. (laughs) It's the power of Jesus living in you and the power of lining your life up with God's Word, the Bible. And I'm just telling you, Any stronghold in your life, the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of God's Word has the power to break the chains that have taken hold of your life. And the reality is, some of you, you you came by it naturally. You saw it lived out, and then you just naturally followed it, and you've been living that way for a long time. I just wonder, how many of you could just think, and think uh, uh, someone in your family and, and... Uh, You think, you know what? I've got some professional worriers. I've got some professional angry people in my life. Okay, uh, how many of you have that? Because I'm holding my hand up right now. I I have some in my life. Man, are they good at it. It just comes. Okay, so if if that's you, and now it's kind of seeped into your life, um, I would just first of all say, Philippians 4, 6, and 7 need to get memorized like today. Okay, so there's your homework assignment. Uh, First step, memorize Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And if you like like extra credits, some of you do, go to Matthew 6 and just read 25 to 34. You can, you can, and that would be really good. Some of you are good. But Philippians 4, 6, and 7, that'd be a good place to start. Uh, Secondly, I would say you need to find someone, preferably your small group, and ask them, would you pray for me? 
And then would you ask me like every week for a while how I'm doing? Because this has become a stronghold in my life. Finally, if you're here and you're serious about getting victory, there's something about humbling yourself and the Lord, because you choose to humble yourself and admit need and admit weakness and cry out to him, the Lord loves that, and he says, in due time, I'm going to give you victory. I'm going to break that stronghold in due time. So we're going to close. I'm going to invite the praise band, make their way back up here. And uh, some of you probably should come up here, and we'll have some of our leaders come and anoint you with oil. And, and that would be just powerful. I think that could be one of those steps the Lord uses in your life. Would you bow your heads? Shut your eyes as we close. Lord, uh, as we close, we realize again, worrying and stressing and anxiety and frustration and anger, it was going on when your son Jesus walked on earth. That's why he talked about it so strongly in the Sermon on the Mount. So it's nothing new, but it's still going on, Lord. I just need to ask, when it comes to anxiety, worry, stress, frustration, are you holding on to it? Are you allowing it to poison your life? Speak, Lord. We need to hear from you. We're listening. Anybody say, you know, Lord, you've spoken and it's pretty obvious. I actually knew it before I even came in. Worry, anxiety, stress, frustration, anger. Put different words on it. has the same root. I'm holding on to the trouble and the struggle, and I'm not giving it to you. That's become a real ugly pattern in my life. And Lord, I need to take advantage of the powerful present that you've offered us. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Lord, see my hand. That's me. You're talking to me today. Not just talking a message to anybody else. Talking to me today, Lord. See my hand. Others of you. Balcony, anybody? Yeah. Lord, uh, we need you way more than we think we need you. We love you. We're grateful that you gave us the gift of Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And uh, we are grateful that we can actually live that out on a daily basis. I pray especially for those who, if they're honest, that's been a stronghold in their lives for a long time. And if they think about it, probably was true in mom or dad or grandma or grandpa, and it may even go beyond that. Might it stop 
with us. Might, might today you give us victory to let that end. It's in Jesus' name we pray all of these things. Amen. Now here's the deal.